You're listening to the Live Well Radio Podcast Show. A wealth of information for a life of inspiration. And here's your host, Brett Coleman. All right. So, you guys, today we have Bobby Toman, right, Bobby? T-H-O-M-A-N, Toman. Yep. From Lost Wells Cattle Company out there in Wyoming. What's going on in Wyoming? What's the weather like, man? No, it's not too bad today. We've had snow for about a month and a half now, but today it's sunny and a little bit of snow on the ground and probably about 40 degrees out. It's a beautiful part of the country. We've been there several times through Wyoming. My wife's actually, her family's all out in Colorado, so we've been up that way, Cheyenne. Where are you in relation to Cheyenne? We're about four hours west. We're in the west central part of the state. Is that going towards the Tetons? Exactly. We're about two hours, two and a half hours from Jackson, Wyoming, and the Tetons. Beautiful. That's God's country right there, man. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. And we're, you know, Wyoming gets pretty bad reputation for the I-80 corridor, which is high desert plateau and lots of wind. And we're, we're down about 5,000 feet and a lot more mild climate here. So right now, we're going to get you going here with what you're doing out there. You're, you're, you're doing things the right way. We've come across a lot of different podcasts and we want to keep it consistent. And we've had a lot of different podcasts where people come on the show and they're just sharing how they're doing things the right way. And the whole premise of this show is adding value to people's lives, uh, offering information for inspiration. I'm not here to turn any meat eaters into vegans, and I, and I don't want to convert any vegans into meat eaters. That's not my business. It's not my place. You know How and what someone eats is completely their prerogative. However, I am completely on board with ethical treatments of animals and also a proponent of incorporating a high amount of vegetables with you know, a nice round, complete diet. So what I like about what you're doing is that if people listen carefully, they're going to see a big difference in how you're raising and processing cattle compared to the, I guess, would you call it the conventional way, Bobby? Conventional, yeah, that's fair. Okay. So let's talk about this. How did it all get started? Because you're not the first generation doing this. This has been passed down, hasn't it? Correct. Yeah. Actually, my brother and I started, we're the fourth generation. Our great, great grandparents were immigrants, but my parents, I grew up on a ranch, typical ranch, raising cattle, you know, the conventional way, like you said, which is basically raising cows and selling calves in the fall. And you'd sell them out of state to feedlots in Nebraska, Iowa, wherever, and feeding hay all through the winter. And my parents actually tried to expand their operation on a really high market year and bought a bunch of yearlings and the market went out the next year and they were forced to sell everything. And that was about the mid nineties. You know, of course, my brother and I went to college, thought you couldn't make a living on a ranch and a few years gone, you know, that stuff's in your blood. You can't just leave it. And uh, we wanted to figure out how to ranch economically, profitably. And sustainably, I think that's kind of where we got started in in the grass-fed business. You know, we don't have corn out here. Corn's hard to get. We couldn't finish beef out here, but we'd always sold a few beef you know, now and then to our neighbors. And so we, we sat down and kind of came up with a business plan on how to get more of the market share out of our livestock instead of selling to a feedlot, you know, a middleman who sells to another middleman, who sells to a slaughter plant, who sells to a customer. You know, we were trying to kind of take all those steps down and, you know, and absorb those into our own operation and maybe take a little bit of that capital ourselves to add some profit back into ranching. So that's how we got started. Right on. And to date, you're uh, how many heads of cattle on that farm right now? Well, it varies because you know, it depends if you count all your classes. You know, some people count cows, calves and everything else. You know, if you do that, we're, we're probably around 200 head, but just Mother cows, we run about 100 head, and you know we run a seed stock operation too and use our grass-fed beef business to kind of pull off 
all the things that won't make it in a seed stock operation. So it's been very beneficial to our cattle operation. Nice. So I'm going to dive right into the differences because I'm not that familiar. I just know there are different varieties of beef. Yep. I guess like we go back to saying the conventional way is this kind of just the mass produced beef and a lot of fast food restaurants are using that. I should ask you, is there a difference between grain, grass fed and feedlot? If so, what are the biggest differences? Starting with grain and then going to the grass fed, completely grass fed and then feedlot. Yeah, of course, definitely. I mean, that's how we, we choose to differentiate ourselves. And I think that's one of our marketing things too, that really helps people to see in education, because honestly, I can't compete with, with the packers on price for my beef. Because if anybody knows these big packers, they don't make money on the meat. The meat's a byproduct. They make their money on the offings, on fertilizer, on you know things like that. So to them, meat's a byproduct. Um, and that, that's not how it is with, with you know, smaller operations like we're running. But I like to break it down into, I think, maybe four different categories based on levels of importance to people. And I think for me, like a first level benefit of grass-fed beef is the health benefits. We're not feeding cattle grain. Uh, Grain really causes, it's called acidosis in cattle. It's high acidic levels in their stomachs. And that's why you can get E. coli problems from conventional feedlot-fed beef. That stuff just doesn't exist on a grass-fed ranch because we don't have the proper environment for it to survive. That'd be one. So nutrition is definitely the biggest one. There's higher levels of most all your vitamins and minerals. You know, people talk about omega-3s and omega-6s. Our omega-3s are a lot higher. No toxins, no hormones, no antibiotics, no GMOs. A very clean product. And then that's what a lot of these people are looking for is direct benefits. Secondly, we can kind of break it into maybe some of the indirect benefits or indirect impacts. And that would be things like air pollution, you know, toxic chemicals. You know, most grass farmers, they don't call it by that term, but they're really big into carbon sequestration because you want all that carbon back in the ground. That's where your nutrition comes from is, is putting all that carbon back in the ground. So even though it's kind of a byproduct of what we do, it's very important. Gotcha. Uh, third level for us would be like impacts of conscience. And this is getting, and I understand this, and it's getting to be a bigger and bigger deal. You know, a lot of people, I've had people who were vegans say, you know, I've, I've chose to avoid meats because I don't like the process. And I can respect that. You know, I don't have a problem with that. So our, this impacts of conscience would be like an ethical and moral issues, you know, hum- humane treatment of animals. We say letting a cow be a cow. You know, cows weren't meant to be locked up in pens. And we put them out on pasture, they roam free, you know, they get to pick the grasses they want to eat, and we rotate them through, you know. That's a big deal. I think in the industry, there's a saying that says, our cows have a great life in one bad day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you could ask for much more than that in this industry. And then the last one would be a fourth level I kind of consider be preference. You know, there's things we can do that slaughterhouses can't do. We can dry age your beef. That's where you get the flavor and the tenderness. We can get organ meats which our grandparents used to eat. You know, these aren't very popular anymore. Liver. and Yep, liver, heart, you know, all those things. Dude, when I was a kid, we ate eggs. I'm not saying it was the best meal I've had, but every once in a while on Slaughter Day, you can't do that anymore now because of mad cow disease. What did you have? I'm sorry, you broke up. Brains and eggs. Oh, bra- oh gotcha. Wow, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Not very often, but we did it whenever we slaughtered uh, cows on the ranch as a kid and you know and things like soup bones marrow bones and um, things like that so and broth is huge i mean you know I, even costco's yeah. now carrying the chicken broth and now i've seen it with the beef broth 
with the turmeric involved included with it. Yep. And I just got a bottle of that myself at, at Costco. We were in Colorado visiting Lena's family and I stopped by the Costco and I picked up a couple bottles of the beef broth. Now, what's advantageous about that? That's got to be some good health benefits. It's huge. They they say you can raise the dead with good beef broth or bone broth. It doesn't have to be beef. You can do a chicken or you know any animal, but it's the collagen in it and it's loaded with trace minerals. You can survive on that alone. You know, a lot of guys do these broth fast for, you know, diets to lose weight, whatever, to get healthier again. And it's, it's incredible. And you can make it yourself. It's not hard to make. I mean, you just have to find a few soup bones and it's pretty simple to make. Is it a variation of different types of soup bones from the cow? Yeah, yeah, you, you, exactly. So you can use things like knuckle bones, marrow bones, uh, even ribs. There's quite a few things you can throw in there. The old timers recipe calls for like a, a calf's hoof. I kind of omit that one, but um, there's a lot of things that people put in oxtail. Like oxtail soup was an old recipe. You can put oxtail in anything where you can get collagen out of. So any of those knuckle joints or marrow bones or anything like that you know, works great. Gotcha. What I want to ask you is that you had said something earlier and I wrote it down. So the cattle that's being mass produced by these farmers, the packers, is that what you call them? Packers, correct. Yeah. So they're not really in it for the meat. They're in it for the, you said fertilizer. Now explain that to me because I'm not aware how that works. Not just fertilizer, but byproducts, things like hides, they call them oftings. Okay. Oh, oftings. Um, I got you. Oftings. Yep. So yeah, they use the entrails for uh, fertilizer and that's a huge business. So the hides, that is their main source of income for most of those places. We've driven across the country numerous times, you know, in our travels for work pleasure, so on and so forth, hundreds of thousands of miles. And we've seen some of the biggest, what looks to me like to be dairy. I've never seen, I guess there's different types of cow. These are black, the black and white cow. Is that the dairy cow? Correct. Holsteins. Okay. I've seen farms across the highways, across the country where it seems like it's going on for acres and acres, if not miles of these black and white cows. Now, true or false, those cows can only be milked for so long, correct? In the conventional model, correct, because they really push those cows hard on feet and then their feet give out, their legs get out because they're on concrete all the time. It's just not a very good process. Right. You know, five, six years old is old for a dairy cow. Right. So I guess my next question was, I've heard, true or false, that after they're done milk, do they go to they use for beef production, meat production? Oftentimes, yes. That's where a lot of your hamburger comes from is dairy. Dairy cow. Yep. And that's not really the best, I mean, to be quite blunt and honest, that's not the highest quality of beef, correct? It's not, but I don't think that's that would be my biggest concern. My biggest concern would be that you get a say a roll of hamburger from a, any you know store, a five pound roll. There could be a thousand different animals in that one roll. There's no traceability, and there's no um, knowing what's exactly in that. So, really? Yeah, that'd be more my. And then of course the pink slime scare and all that. That's been the industry for years. What did you, you know, call people it? People are starting to see it. Pink slime. Pink slime. Yeah, that mm -hmm. came out of oh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. What exactly is pink slime? Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into technical terms, but it's a way to process down like your slaughter equipment to wash the bone meal off. Oh, and, it's in the process. Yeah, they add that back into the hamburger and supposedly to reduce the cost. I gotcha. Hey, speaking of that kind of stuff, you know, I, unless you're living underneath a rock, you, you probably have seen hundreds of these commercials on TV talking about if you've been affected by Roundup, right? Yeah. So yep. is that getting into the animal's bodies through some type of ingestion of something? Of course. Yeah. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup and that's 
it's very toxic. And there's tests now where you can actually test yourself to see how much Roundup is in your body. But yeah, any type, you know, the, the new GMO crops require a lot more applications of Roundup than ever before. And they're even using on non-GMO crops. And of course, that goes into the feed, that goes into your breakfast cereal, you know, things like that, any kind of wheat, you know, that if you're not paying attention to. And I'm not going to put all the blame on Roundup because I think that's, it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things, but it's the slow building of toxicity, I think, in, in everything around us that is adding up to a lot of, you know, look at the rates of cancer, you know, these days. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. You know, for a country that's so technically advanced as we are, nobody's asking the question or nobody has any long-term studies on, you know, these chemicals that are being used in the food system. What you're saying is just spot on because I'm a big reverse engineer guy. So if you look at the tail end, if you look at the result, right, let's start with the result and work backwards to see what's producing that result. You're dead on, on the money, straight on point by saying cancer's at an all-time high. You have diseases like Alzheimer's in this country. I mean, the list goes on, diabetes, blood pressure. I mean, you have to- Autism. Yeah, you have to start thinking to yourself, okay, there's something- in my opinion, of course, <laughs> that's got to be a link between what we're putting in our bodies that's producing these type of diseases. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, you can start eliminating things and, you know, and pretty soon it's, it's pretty obvious that, hey, you know, it's got to be something I'm putting in my body. You know, it's usually food. Because we're doing that on a regular basis. Correct. And yeah, putting different types of chemicals in our bodies, you would obviously think is going to sooner or later have an effect. And you said something, I think we we're on the phone when I first invited you on this podcast and caught up with you a couple of days ago, you said something pretty smart. You can either pay now or pay later. Yeah, it's, that's what a lot of these guys say. You, know, you can pay, pay now and higher food costs because everybody says, well, it's too expensive. I can't eat organic. Well, you know, can you afford doctor bills you know, when you're retired or even later? But you know, the hard thing with preventative, it's, hard to, it's difficult to quantify. You know, how do you say, well, I didn't have to go to the doctor today, so I, I'm doing okay. Or I didn't have to get chemo treatments today because I don't have cancer today. And, you know, how do you quantify that? That's what's difficult. People see, you know, the big box stores and the prices, and that's what they look at because that's easy to quantify. You know, I can save money today, but we don't realize what we're doing to our bodies in the long term. And awareness, helping people raise their awareness, especially kids. I mean, I have a four-year-old boy. He's been, probably been to fast food restaurants twice and once was to use the bathroom. I mean... <laughs> on a road trip. I don't, it's a whole other topic, man. But now that I'm a father, four-year-old boy, my conscious level, my awareness is just off the charts through the roof. You know, you have to have some type of guidance for these innocent little beings coming to the world that are being bombarded with these commercials on TV for fast food and get a little toy in your meal box and stuff like that. You got to be responsible. I take the stance of being responsible for my, not only myself, my wife, my, because it's, we're all in this together. So you're doing things the right way. And you're a father, yes? Yeah, I've got four kids. Four kids. And let's talk about the, what are those kids eating right now? I'm not, I'm not eating like as we speak, but what's a typical meal a day look like in your household for your family? Well, this morning we had bacon, eggs, and toast from some organic bread. A lot of times I'll make, I've got one son that's a borderline celiac, so we have to do the gluten-free. So we do a lot of gluten-free options, but... We're a very much meat and potatoes kind of family. We eat a lot of meals with hamburger. My wife's a pretty good cook. We'll eat steak every once in a while, and I try at least once a month to do some kind of organ meats. I'll trigger a heart, and I'll tell you what, my kids think it's steak. They don't even know the difference. They love it to death, and liver's kind of a harder sell in our house, but <laughs> my dad, uh, my dad's got a good recipe, fries it up in bacon grease, and 
And you can just about eat anything fried in bacon grease. Mm-hmm. You're right. So now are vegetables foreign food in your house? No, no, of course. It's hard in um, in winter climates like we have. So in the wintertime, you, you kind of slow down on the vegetables because you don't can't get them fresh anymore. So we're more into the soups, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of bone broth type based soups in the wintertime. But we still do as much as we can. Summertime during farmer's market, you know, we have our own garden. We grow a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, kids love fresh bell peppers, you know, carrots, anything like that is an easy sell. Fresh tomatoes, get them involved in the garden. They love it to death. So That's awesome, man. And I think I shared this with you the other day. We're looking now to move from our current house into a community. These are called agrihoods, A-G-R-I-H-O-O-D-S, agrihoods. And it's their farm-to-table communities around the world. I'm sorry, yeah, around the world, but we've been looking at a few of them in the country. Actually, we've seen 13 now around the country. And exactly what you're saying, it's the whole lifestyle of taking your children to a farm with other children, building a sense of community, fostering friendships, getting an appreciation for food, healthy food from an organic garden and how it's grown, bringing the food back to your house and cooking. It's a whole, whole cool life experience that we've been introduced to. And I first saw the special on CBS Sunday morning about three years ago, just after my boy Cash was born. And we we told my wife about it and we started looking into this concept and it's huge. It's the fastest growing residential developments around the country right now and even around the world. So you guys are doing it. I mean, you have everything you need right there at your house, fresh farm to table at the house. Yeah, and it's super rewarding too. I mean, especially for kids teaching kids how to milk the cow. You know, we have a milk cow and on the ranch, you know, we have milk cows that get up to 14 years old and still produce enough milk for the family. You know, things like that, that, that just are, you know, to pick a couple of current berries on your way down to do chores or pick a few raspberries, you know, when you're out checking the cows, you know, things like that, that just, I think are rewarding. And that kind of helps connect people to the land. I, I think the problem with a lot of things in society today is that we're so disconnected from the land. We think everything comes from the grocery store. And we need to get back to our roots to see, you know, where this stuff comes, the work that is entailed, you know, in that. And and I think, too, you know, for kids, there's not a better lifestyle. They're outside and they're busy and they're enjoying it. And they're not camped in front of a a TV or a phone. Or a computer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm 100% on board. My wife and I had a sit down, a discussion, and uh, we talked about this. As a matter of fact, we said, okay, we're going to check into this whole agrihood concept. We spent uh, five months traveling about 7,000 miles, and we hit about 13 different agrihoods in 10 different states. And we're learning about the concept, and every single one we've hit has got something pretty cool, and it's called the concept of a healthy lifestyle. And that's what it's all about. And that's what you guys are doing there at the Lost Wells Cattle Company. How can people find you, the website? Give them the contact information you guys use. Sure, yeah. We've got a lot of information on our website. It's lostwellscattle.com. And we also have a Facebook page, which I'm not very good at updating, but uh, it's at Lost Wells Cattle. At Lost Wells Cattle. L-O-S-T-W-E-L-L-S Cattle. Correct. Yeah. And before I let you go, let's talk about this for a second, because I think I might be uh, lactose intolerant. Now, I know when I drink skim milk, it doesn't bode well with me. It's not a good thing. But when I notice when I drink whole milk, my stomach is okay with it. Do you know the difference while I have you on the phone? Yeah, I've, we grew up drinking raw milk. And I think a lot of people who are lactose intolerant aren't necessarily intolerant to the lactose. They might be intolerant to the pasteurization or the homogenation of milk. You can either try raw milk or you can do something like kefir because kefir actually is the gold. bacteria. Kefir eats all the lactose out of the milk. So you can do something like that too. 
Right. So, no, you hit a good point. So, what, is, what do you mean raw milk? Raw milk direct from the cow. It doesn't get processed. It doesn't get pasteurized or homogenized. You skim your own cream off the top, and that's right from the cow. Yeah. Do you think that, like, a natural food store would carry raw milk? Well, you got to be careful. There's a lot of laws against raw milk, and, oh, yeah, okay. go figure. But a lot of places sell shares, herd shares, and dairy in these little farms. In Wyoming now, we have a, we had a new bill called the Food Freedom Act, which basically eliminated oversight on anything directly sold from a farm or a ranch to the consumer. Amazing. A lot of these states should look into this. But in your own state, you got to be careful. you got to make sure you go through the proper hoops so you're not doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have a cow in our backyard. So if I go to, <laughs> if I go to Whole Foods Market or Sprouts or a natural market, the next best thing to raw milk would be what? I don't know. I would try your farmer's markets too and see if you can find some milk there. I'm not sure. You can do organic, but we haven't talked much about organic versus, you know, biodynamic, but organic is anymore is just getting to be these big companies are starting to figure out the hoops to jump through. You can eat organic products that aren't any better than the conventional because you need something that's more biodynamic. They're really focusing on putting the nutrition back in the product, whether that's a steak or your milk or your vegetables, your garden you know, anything like that. And you really need to focus on the biodynamic. Touch on that a minute. Sure. It it just, a lot of these organic producers are using the marketing ploy and, and, uh, you know, and all the publicity that organic has brought. And not that it's bad, but what they're doing is they're trying to game the system. You know, and that's why buying organic from, you know, your big box stores may not be that great. I'd, I'd encourage people to Hit your farmer's market up. Find your little health food stores, you know, the local ones, and support them. But biodynamic just means, like, kind of like I said, that you know, these farmers that are focused on getting the minerals back into the soil so that they can get into the plant. And for us, you know, we, we're really not beef farmers. We're grass farmers. We have to work really hard to balance our soils to put the nutrients back in the ground because that's what makes the plants grow and that's what the cows eat. You know, so if we can get our soil healthy, you know, then the meat's healthy and then of course we're healthy as well. It's a good way to put it, man. It's a whole cycle. Exactly. It's kind of like chemistry class all over again, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, it is. What's your next step, man? What do you see for your farm in what's three to five years and what do you want to leave behind? And you know, your kid's going to be taking over. So what's some long-term goals, short-term goals you have for Lost Wells Cattle Company? Well, kind of a continuing goal. It's kind of funny because it's always the new generation trying to convert the older generation, you know, and when my dad's up around retirement age, but I don't think he has any plans of retiring, but just helping them get away from things, you know, get into things like cover cropping. We have reduced all our pesticides and herbicides, you know, and that's been quite a while ago, but maybe using some more natural type fertilizers, using cows to put you know, your fertility back in your soil, things like that. It's always a constant process because, you know, nature's different every year. So it's kind of fun to see how things work, what worked in the past. A couple of these guys say, if I don't fail at something, I'm not trying hard enough. So you got to push that envelope a little bit to you know, see, well, maybe I can plant some turnips this year in a cover crop on a field in Wyoming. Yeah, go figure. But it works. Well, keep trying a few of those things and see what works and what doesn't and try it out for yourself. That's awesome, man. And looking back on your life, you're sitting on that rocking chair in that big front porch staring at the Tetons somewhere in Wyoming. And you look back and say, you know what? I'm glad I did what? I'm glad I left this. What would that be? Finish that sentence for us. I'm glad I taught my kids, you know, what it means to take care of the land. You know, because if you take care of the land, the land will take care of you. And I taught my kids how to work. I taught my kids that things don't aren't easy. They don't come free, that there's a little bit of sweat equity that has to go into, you know, that anything's worthwhile. So that's awesome. You're a great father. 
Your wife says you're a stand-up husband. I'm sure she would say that, right? <laughs> you're a stand-up guy. You're, you're the, good days. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, I'll, and you can speak for her. She's not on this podcast. Go ahead. Say whatever you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, she might find it. She might yeah, find she, it out. She's definitely going to hear it. So, <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate your time. And again, they can catch up with you on Lost Wells Cattle Company or just Lost Wells Cattle, you said, right? Just Lost Wells Cattle. Yep. You want to leave a phone number? Uh, it's on the website. Is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Best contact is that. And you guys have a great, great weekend. It's awesome catching up with you, Bobby. If there's anything you want to decide you want to you know, share later on, you're always more than welcome to be invited back onto the show and share some insight and some inspiration. And again, congratulations for you and your family for doing things the right way. And that's what this show is all about. Information for inspiration. So thanks again, buddy. We appreciate you and God bless. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. All right, buddy. Take care now. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.